All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All right, quick little intro here to set up who I'm chatting with today for all four things. She is a New York Times bestselling author and host of Money Rehab podcast, Nicole Lappin. You maybe have seen her on CNN, CNBC, Bloomberg. She's all the places talking money all the time. And the first thing we're going to get into is financial anxiety. Then we're going to get into burnout to balance. We're going to talk kids and money, and then we will close things out with gratitude. So here is my chat with Nicole Lappin, which you can find her on Instagram at Nicole L A P I N. Here you go. First thing. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so Nicole, I gotta talk to you about 
financial anxiety? Because I mean, I feel like for many people listening, there's all different types of anxiety out there, but financial is a big one. So do you have a story of yourself like experiencing it? I mean, I think one thing that people appreciate is when someone can share like a real life experience and just be relatable so that they know they're not alone. Totally. Listen, if I could be a finance expert, anyone could do it. I'm the least likely person to talk about money, much less teach other people about it. And I am a Full of anxiety. All of my books have confessions in them where I love to talk about the most embarrassing thing possible because honestly, I think it is all of the humanities and not the numbers part that gets people in trouble with money. The numbers, Amy, a fifth grader can do. It's all of the stuff between your ears, that mean girl inside your head that really stands in all of our ways. I think it's how to get your friend to pay you back, how to talk to your significant other about money, how to talk to your kids about money. For me, I mean, I don't even know which anxiety to tell you about first, but in Rich Bitch, in my first book, I talk about this idea that even my goals I would have so much anxiety talking about when somebody would say, what do you want to be in 10 years? Or what do you want to be in five years? I would totally fumble around because I didn't answer the question. So hello, Captain Obvious. Once you answer the question, the anxiety goes away. And oftentimes we suffer more in imagination than in reality. So not opening bills. I have been a victim of that, just leaving my credit score on my counter. So if I didn't open it, it wasn't real or not opening my taxes in that way. And once I did, you know, I realized that it wasn't as scary as I made it out to be. And so that's part of the curing financial anxiety is sometimes controlling the imagination, which it's hard because our imagination is such a gift and it can be so amazing for so many other things, but it can also hinder us. I think that's right. I think that if we can try to reframe this idea, money is awesome. You know, goals have price tags. So if you think of it in the way of what you're going to get for that money versus feeling like you're always saving and you're always in this deprivation state, instead thinking of it from a place of aspiration, I truly think your finances will fall that way. So start, I like to name my sub savings accounts. And so I put in what I'm saving for. So it's a Mexico vacation. It's my bachelorette party that I need to go to, whatever it is. Once I can visualize what that's going for, instead of feeling like it's this deep, dark abyss, then I'm more motivated to do it because I think it's really important to reframe your money story for yourself. Whatever happened when you were a kid doesn't mean it needs to happen for you as a grown ass man or woman. It is your money story. And just because, you know, your parents might have penny pinched or clipped coupons, or maybe on the flip side, they had a housekeeper or they went on vacation doesn't mean that's the way you need to approach finances. I became vegetarian when I was 11 and I had eaten meat. My family had eaten meat. And at that point I asked myself, self, do I want to eat meat? And the answer was no, but the answer could have been yes. And that would have been okay. But I think it's that moment where you ask yourself, what do you want is really important to do for your finances as well. Break down sub savings for people that might be the first time they've ever heard like, oh, wait, okay, wait, I've heard of savings, but what's a sub saving? So I think that if you break down a spending plan, which I like to talk about instead of a budget in the same way as you would think of an eating plan, right? It's something that allows you small indulgences so you don't end up binging later on. So I don't know what the fad diet is these days, but they've never worked for me. Adkins, Schmadkins, Keto, Schmido, grapefruit. I don't even know, but something that's 
sustainable, like an eating plan, I advocate for finances as well. So 70% of your overall spending plan, I think, should go to the essentials, which is your food, your housing, your transportation, all that jazz. And then 15% to the end game. So your future self, your future Amy, everything you're saving for. And then 15% to the extras. So the latte, the mani-pedi. I'm like the only financial expert that argues for the morning latte. And so accounting for that will keep you on track and keep you from binging. And so that 15% that's going to the savings, you can just go into your banking portal or you can call them and you can organize it in whatever way you want. You can put emojis in there. You can color coordinate it. If it works for you and it keeps you going, then I am here for it. Uh, So all you have to do is break down your savings accounts, not even necessarily open another account, but then you can put a name to them. So when you open it, you see exactly what you're saving for. Love that. And so why is it that you're different? Like, why are you for the the morning latte? That could be insert XYZ for somebody else listening. It could be something different for them. But just I'm sitting here with my latte right now. It's just so for the sake of that. I think that we've been told a lot of financial myths that we think are true and we hear them as gospel and nothing in finance is gospel. So it's just never worked for me. I grew up in an immigrant family, super broken home. My father died of an overdose when I was little, you know, my mother sort of was the opposite of one. And I had to teach myself the hard way in the school of hard knocks. And so I didn't speak any jargon. I didn't work at a bank. I didn't get my MBA. I just needed to get a job. And I happened to be offered one in the financial news world. And I lied when I was 18 and I faked it till I made it. And I was on the floor and I felt like I was such an outsider. And then I realized that money is a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for that language growing up. But it's like any other language. If you and I went to Japan tomorrow, we'd be super confused because I don't know. Do you speak Japanese? No, I don't. don't. (laughs) (laughs) But then if we learn Japanese, we'd be like, oh, duh, this is so easy. Obviously, this is what they're talking about. I think the same thing. If you go to Wall Street, you don't speak the language of money, you'll be really confused. And so I just rethought everything because I didn't have a framework. I didn't grow up with the Wall Street Journal on the kitchen counter. I didn't have anybody talking to me about stocks or bonds or any of that. My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager. And I thought the dude wanted to be in gardening. So like I was super, super clueless. And so I thought, you know, if I cut out the morning latte, like all these so-called experts are telling me, maybe that's my ticket to financial freedom. But what I realized in reality is that it's the big things that matter most in your finances, in life, in gratitude and all these things. It's the little things that matter, right? In our relationships, but in money, it's the big things that matter. So forget, buy your morning latte, give yourself a treat to keep on track and stay from binging later on because I'll have folks come to me and say in the beginning of the year, hey, I cut out the morning latte. I'm so, I'm doing so good. But then come, you know, April or May, they say, well, I bought this Gucci purse because I was so good and didn't buy this latte. It's just human nature. And if you focus instead on the bigger things, getting your credit score into a better place, you're not spending so much money on interest. Even living in a lower tax state saves you an incredible amount of money. You can buy all the lattes you want for all the people in the Starbucks. You can even maybe buy a Starbucks franchise with the amount of money potentially you could be saving. So I think we get caught up in these little things, this penny pinching idea when we should really focus on what's the biggest ticket and what's the biggest bang literally for our buck. 
And really uh, to start out for someone that's listening, that's like, oh, I don't really handle any of the finances in my house. Like I'll just use me as an example, again, for people to not feel alone if they aren't that involved with their finances. I'm married. I've been married for this year. It'll be, gosh, like 15 years. And it's just a role that my husband kind of took over. I've worked the entire time. I contribute a lot to the family, but yet I still remain very clueless of what's happening until this year. I'm dipping my toes in and I'm I'm making it a, a priority to start to learn more about what's happening because I realize that I, I feel so in the dark and that allows me to feel less empowered. Like I ha- causes actually more anxiety because I haven't known so much for so long. And then it makes me overwhelmed to even think about logging on to the bank account, trying to figure out where this is, where that is. But the last two months or so, I've really been digging in deep. But for me, you know, it started with just logging in and checking accounts every now and then, and then making sure I got paid for something. Like there are times where I'm like, I don't know, did work pay me for that? And because, well, I work for iHeart. A lot of things come from different talent fees here and there. And I've been doing this for 15 years. So when you do endorsements, money comes from just different places that honestly, I could be doing a lot of work. And I'm embarrassed to look at you right now to say like, there's maybe times I didn't get paid, but I would never have a clue. And you can go ahead and reprimand me for that. But it just overwhelmed me. So anyway, all that to say, and I want your thoughts on it. I'm dipping my toes in and it feels better. And it's the more I dig in, the less overwhelming and then the more empowered I feel. Well, I'm so proud of you, first off. Thank you. And do not beat yourself up. Don't talk about my new friend like that. Uh, I think that, you know, it's a combination of forgiving your former self for what she didn't know, but also realizing that that's not okay moving forward if you do know more. And I think it's baby steps when there's anything overwhelming, especially in finances. All of my books are 12-step plans because, well, first, the first step of any recovery is admitting you have a problem, but also anything overwhelming is easier to tackle in chunks. So yeah, start with logging on and be like, okay, that's all I'm doing today. The first time I tried to do my taxes myself, I carved out all of Sunday to do it. And I said, okay, today I'm just going to tackle all of my taxes and they're going to be done. And what ended up happening at the end of the day is I was on the couch with Haagen-Dazs and a full bottle of wine with my taxes undone because it was too much that I was trying to tackle. So instead I said, well, today all I'm doing is uncrinkling my receipts. That's it. The next day, all I'm going to do is I'm going to put them in little piles. That's all I'm going to do. And so when I gave myself smaller goals, I actually stuck to them. And so you're doing just that, which I'm so proud to hear. And I think a lot of women do defer to their husbands or to their partners for money stuff. That's the reality. And that's okay. You just have to be really honest about that. You have figured harder things out in your life. So I have no doubt that you can actually figure it out. I think it's about figuring out what is your trauma or your stumbling block that's not allowing you to do it. And then tackling that. Because I think that if you have your own money and you have your own wherewithal, you can leave any bad job. You can leave any bad relationship. Uh, I think that a lot of listeners might be in relationships that they're scared to leave potentially because of money, because they don't know how to support themselves, because they don't know how to log into all the bank accounts. So I think if you look at it from an empowering way, that will propel you to do more and more with it. And you're absolutely right that 
having that anxiety just makes it worse and avoiding it makes it even worse and continues to propel your anxiety. Like, listen, I've had all the insecurities. I have more issues than Vogue, but I've had food insecurities and weight issues just being on the air um, for so long that when I would go into the doctor's office, I would try to pass on doing the weight thing. I just be like, no, I'll just give you an estimate. And then what ended up happening is they would have to go ask their supervisor if that was okay. And then it became a whole thing and it became actually more anxiety provoking than just stepping on the scale. That's funny you bring that up. I host a podcast on Saturdays called Outweigh, which is all centered around like the gray area of eating disorders and disordered eating. And one thing we talk about often is weighing at the doctor. It's come up a lot recently. And this one girl uh, that listens to our podcast makes these cards that you can actually take with you to the doctor. And it's almost like a business card and you can bust it out and you can hand it to them. And it basically says that you're not going to get weighed because sometimes it's hard to even just say it, but it's like, Hey, here's this card. And really you don't have to weigh me because they do not. And I, I went to the OBGYN a couple of weeks ago and went through that. And the nurse practitioner almost looked at me like I was crazy because I didn't want to be weighed. And I I was speaking my truth of like, I don't want to be weighed, but somehow she ended up convincing me that I had thrown her for a loop and I'm the first person in the world to not want to get weighed. So then she convinced me to step on the scale and just face backwards. But then it became this whole debate, even on Outweigh, we talked about on the podcast that like, I should have never even been pressured to step on the scale. Like, because unless like for the doctor that that's absolutely necessary for my health and well-being, then we can revisit it. But I know it's like a side note here, but it's also just encouragement to any woman listening, whether it's finances or weight, or you're at a doctor or you're at the bank or you're wherever, you are the best advocate for yourself. So if you need to know this about your finances from the bank or you need, you're at the doctor and you don't want to get weighed, like you can speak up for yourself. And that was an example of me not simply stepping on the scale. Thankfully for me isn't a weird trigger. So I was able to do it backwards, but for somebody else that still might be triggering. So I just thought that I'd throw in that encouragement. And then two, to piggyback off what you were saying about, you know, being in a relationship and not feeling like you have the ability to leave if it's unhealthy. When I sat down with my business manager to really go over some stuff, she told me that she was so proud of me for doing it because, you know, when her dad died, her mom didn't know what in the world to do. So maybe you could speak to that because it might not be that you're in an unhealthy relationship. It might be that your partner passes away and then you're just left hanging. That's the next thing I was going to say. It's the number one time that women come to me is when their husbands die or they get divorced and they say, well, I have no choice now to get my financial shiz together because, you know, I don't have my husband or my partner to rely on anymore. And I think that we can do this proactively because once it gets reactive, you are just losing some of your power, right? You are in the thick of a tragedy. You're probably not making the best decisions. And it's like, if you get a diagnosis, it's so easy to start understanding the benefits of eating healthy after, God forbid, the cancer diagnosis. But trying to be proactive about that is more challenging. And so I like to say, well, maybe we should be eating healthy all along and then it won't feel as chaotic when those things inevitably 
happen. You know, tragedy inevitably happens. What we saw from the pandemic last year is that we will have emergencies and more emergencies on top of emergencies because that's typically how they happen. They happen in doubles or triples or even more. And so, yeah, people now were like, oh, I, I know what you were talking about with the emergency fund. But before it was like, there's going to be no emergency. My relationship is fine. A pandemic, that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. And so I think it's about putting your big girl pants on and knowing that, listen, we know how this story ends. It's not funsies to talk about death or dying, especially if you have kids, but you should be thinking about those types of things with wills and advanced directives and what the plan is. You know, if your spouse dies, where are the passwords? And in fact, it's better to have a handle of that earlier. And you can do that in baby steps. So I think before it gets to that triage mode, it's hard to take your vitamins in triage mode, right? Take your vitamins before you have to get a tourniquet. I like that analogy. How does comparison to others sometimes feed into our anxiety and maybe how someone else's finances look or how they're doing? And I don't know, just speak to that. Comparison is the thief of joy, as we know. And I think that it's easy to keep changing the goalpost on yourself. And once you can articulate your goals, this is how I started this discussion about not being able to talk about my career goals, which are linked to my finances, of course. After I was able to articulate them, then I realized that people on social media's goals are not mine. And so you win this game, but only if you write and create the rules and stop changing the goalpost on yourself. So if I said, hey, Amy, my goal for the next year is to have a lawn chair from Target outside in a little cottage from in Maine or whatever. And I see somebody on Instagram with this awesome yacht and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything with my life. I suck. I'm not reaching my goals. This person is crushing it, you know, but it's not on my goals list. I don't need a yacht chair, you know, on their thing. I need to remind myself that those were not my priorities. That wasn't on my goals list. So I think that in order to meet your goals, we inevitably can't keep changing that goalpost on ourselves. Like we'll be happy when we get there. There becomes there. And we never get our brain to the other side of feeling successful or happy that way. Yeah, I think that's that's important to remember is just focusing on what, what you actually wanted instead of somebody else changing the narrative for you. Second thing. Okay, so you're definitely a busy woman, a lot going on. So is there ever a time that you have felt just completely burnt out? Absolutely. And this is the core of my last book, Becoming Superwoman. I was in the middle of my second book launch. I had a national show. I, from outward appearances, looked like I was on top of the world, which is when I had a complete mental, emotional, physical breakdown and an emergency admittance to the psych ward that made me rethink everything. And it was only only at that moment that I knew what burnout was. I mean, I self-prescribed not drugs or alcohol for the, some of this trauma that I was telling you about, but work for so much of my life. And it was only at two o'clock in the morning with my shrink and my assistant at the hospital where I had to cancel everything. I finally realized that nothing else matters and that self-care and emotional wellness is the biggest asset or liability in your career. And so I wrote about this for Becoming Superwoman 
in. And at first, you know, my book team was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're going in the self-help world. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going in, we're in the business section of the bookstore because I truly think that nothing else is more important. I think that it can bring you more success than you imagine when it's on point and it can bring you to rock bottom like it did for me when it's not. So when you say self-care, what does that look like for you? I think it looks different every single day. I mean, there are days that I start with gratitude journaling and not looking at my phone for the first hour. And then there are days that I wake up with an eyelash on my forehead and a venti coffee and on Instagram, looking at my ex-boyfriend's sister's dog's page. And, you know, that happens too. And so I aim for more good days than bad days. But I realized that I had a lifetime of bad habits and only a lifetime of good habits is going to counteract that. And I often think of balance as a verb instead of a noun. And oftentimes we use balance as like, I found balance. And so after, you know, I left the hospital, I went through a long recovery. I went to an outpatient program for a long time. I did all these different therapies and I looked at it from a really analytical lists way. I wanted the data and the science. And so I approached it like I do finances and I wanted these steps. I didn't want woo woo, like tree huggy stuff. And I was determined to get better. And, you know, after a good period of time devoting my life to this, I felt like I found balance, but it was only then that I got cocky and I was like, okay, well now I have another project. I'll get back to that balance stuff later. And I felt like I was on the verge of another breakdown or in another bout of burnout because I didn't cultivate it every single day. It's not something that you find and you're done with. And you're like, cool, I'm cured. We're good. Like, let's just get back to the same old, you know, working 18 hours a day and not taking time for yourself or any of that stuff because you're cured. No, it's not like it's under a couch. I found it. It's there. It's something that's constantly in motion. And it's something that you constantly have to work on. But for me, you know, it's never like a perfect solution. I'm not an expert. I never became an expert in balance. I only became an expert in the skills that I need to ultimately regain my balance when inevitably I will lose it again. Is it difficult for you to say no to opportunities? Because I'm sure you, you're you already doing a lot, but I'm sure there's a lot that comes across your table that you know you have to make a decision about. It's high-class problems for sure. I mean, I think you and I have worked in this business long enough to be able to say no and to still pay the bills and do all the things. And so I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And for me saying no, the best way to approach it is realizing that saying yes to something I can't do well is actually a disservice to the asker. And so it comes from a place of wanting to people please, right? And wanting to make everybody like you and just say yes to all the things. But if you truly are on the verge of burnout, or if you're just stretched too thin, then saying yes to something that you're going to do a crappy job at is actually pleasing that other person. It's probably going to piss that other person off. And so, yeah, for me, I had to say yes to myself more and say no to others more. I would have workouts that I would constantly cancel or appointments with shrinks or whatever. And then a meeting would come up and I would say, well, I'm not doing anything. Well, you know, actually that was an appointment with myself. And so I think of it that way now, you know, if you and I were going to go work out uh, or you and I were going to go grab breakfast or something like that, I would think a hundred times before canceling for something else. And I didn't do the same thing for myself. I would just cancel. I would say, I'm not doing anything. Well, no, I've now had sacred time, me time that's blocked out in my calendar. And that's just a baby step. 
And we take baby steps at the finish line and that's okay. Yeah. And then there's the boundaries conversation too, because sometimes it's, if you're setting a boundary and maybe, you know, someone else is, is working on boundaries, they can almost like see that and appreciate it and like high five you, even though it may affect them because you're saying no to them. Not everybody's going to get why you're saying no, but then occasionally you might get that person that's like, I I see see you. you. Yeah. Good on you because I know what you're doing. Because I think that once we get to this journey and we all go to a journey of self-actualization at some point in our lives, you know, it could be a big dramatic event like I had, or it can be a day where you wake up and you're just like, no, I'm now going to go to equine therapy, for instance, which is where I learned about boundaries from a horse, truly, at Miraval, which is one of my happy places. And, you know, horse is a mirror for you. And so I learned a lot about boundaries. And now, you know, when I use it in conversation, it's not a word that I had known five years ago, you know, boundaries or mindfulness or any of that stuff. But now that I speak with others, friends or romantic or otherwise, you can sort of tell that jargon, right? Like you almost become allergic to the people who can't use that language. And yeah, you sort of see the other people and you're like, you you find respect, I think, for them on the journey that you're taking that is really hard. And then the more you do it, the easier it gets. And when you have those moments of someone seeing you and being proud of you, even though you just told them no, it makes telling no to the next person easier, even if that person doesn't see you because you're like, oh, I'm still doing the right thing for me. So it it doesn't matter. And if they're upset about it, that actually is not my problem, which is not easy to do, but it is possible. And that's something that I'm working on big time. So I appreciate you sharing your journey and and, and opening up about that. I mean, it's such a difficult time and season of your life that you went through, but now you're able to, to use it to help others. So I'm grateful. Oh, you know, studies have shown that women who can create a cohesive narrative for themselves and their lives are more likely to be successful. So sometimes when it feels really chaotic, coming up with this story is actually a good way to get to the other side. Right. So a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays, like Mother's Day. You might be in that position right now, and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry, Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga, Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price, $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have. 
uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results? Well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Okay, so Nicole, how early should we be talking to our kids about money? You can have different discussions with them depending on the age. How old are your kids? Uh, My daughter's 14 and my son is 10. So I think it's really fun or it can be fun to start incorporating some real money lessons into what they're doing for allowance. Let's say, do they get an allowance? Well, we don't do a monthly allowance, but they do have chores they're expected to do around the house. Just being a part of this family that 
that earn nothing other than just, you know, food and living here and like have, you know, whatever we get to do as a family. And then they have responsibilities on top of that, that can come up. Like maybe it's not a firm list, but it's like, oh, hey, yeah, if you wanted to do that, then maybe you could earn some money. And then that's kind of how they earn their own cash. And then my daughter, she makes bracelets. So she has her own little business. So she gets money from that, but she's a saver. So I don't really have to worry about her as much, but my son is a spender. Like he, he probably has a quarter to his name. Cause in fact, my daughter's such a saver. She'll end up getting my son to spend money on her. Oh, she'll just get him to pay for it. Well, that's, I mean, she sounds like a boss bitch in the making. She has Mm -hmm. all sorts of money skills already, which is awesome. I think that you can come up with that allowance part beyond the basic chores, which I think you're right. They shouldn't necessarily be rewarded for doing basic things that they have to do around the house as part of the family unit. But beyond that, it could be on a sliding scale, which is what happens in the real world. And if they want to borrow extra money, they can be charged interest, you know, and you can explain the concept of what interest is to them in a real life example. Obviously, you're not going to take the interest. You can then reinvest in them, take them out to ice cream or do something fun for them. But incorporating some of those lessons is really awesome to do early on. Even taking them to a bank and opening a savings account, you can do it sometimes with quarters in, you know, a little cardboard packet where they can insert their little quarters in there. And that's just a good way to start early good money habits. I've had bad money habit traumas, of course, from my family. I remember, you know, being told not to flush the toilet unless it was number two or make sure to only turn on the lights um, if it was dark outside to save money on electricity. And those are the things that, you know, I would love to change when I become a parent. And so you get to change whatever happened to you that may have negatively impacted your relationship with money for your kids, which is an awesome place to be. But that also means that you lead by example. So I think first and foremost, it's important to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. You know, they don't say that on the plane for fun, just to waste time before takeoff. It's totally true. You can't be of service to anyone else, including your kids, if you're crashing and burning yourself. And if you have anxiety around it, I think they feel that. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking too about back to my childhood and my dad, he was a dreamer and would invest in a lot of things, sometimes successful, sometimes not. But I saw a lot of his stuff fail. And I don't know that that's affected me financially, but maybe I guess in a way, because it has affected me as a dreamer. Sometimes I shut stuff down because I'm like, oh, that seems a little too much. Oh, that's not going to happen. Or maybe if like my husband's doing something, I want to be supportive, but I'm cautiously approaching that support because I don't want to over get excited about something he has going on because he's an entrepreneur. Does that make sense? Is that me bringing my childhood into how I'm running things here? It could be. It could be. And also maybe your anxiety about logging into accounts or, you know, not knowing where money is coming from could in some way be deflected on them. I don't know necessarily how, but even if you go to a store and you have sort of hangups around buying things or buying things on sale, I mean, they soak everything up. They want to be like mom, right? They, Mm. they follow whatever you're doing. So I think the most important thing when you have kids is to be able to lead by example, but that's so hard because we don't learn money in school. You know, I wish we did. We learn a lot of BS as you're probably seeing from your kids right now, like how to dissect a frog or the Pythagorean theorem. I have no idea why we need to know that. If I were in charge of the world, we would be teaching budgets and business plans and how to do our taxes. But you know, there's no excuse for 
for burying your head in the sand because you're the only one that suffers now. And I think when you have kids, it's extra important to just do some work on your relationship around money. You don't need to start investing tomorrow, but taking those little steps because I think in ways you can't even expect your kids will feel that. Well, I definitely want my kids to feel empowered around money and and I want them to dream big. So I just making sure on, you know, they pick up on everything. You're right. And so they may be sensing things that I'm not even aware of. And I want my daughter to see me involved and in making decisions and knowing what's going on. And I like your idea too, of maybe an example of the interest thing. Would it be that if she had a certain amount of money to buy something, but not enough, I go yeah. ahead and spot her that money and yeah. then she can pay me back with the interest. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. So you could say something like, you know, I'm going to lend you this money, but I need it back by this certain date. And I know you'll have it by this certain date because you'll be getting money from your bracelets or money from allowance or whatever. And so that's reasonable. That's a reasonable deadline. But if you decide to buy other things in that time period, then I'm going to still need that money back, but I'm going to charge you a dollar every week that mm-hmm. I don't get it back or something like that. I like watching her figure out things for herself. Again, just kind of letting your kids be who they want to be. I think growing up, she said that maybe somewhere in the orphanage, she grew up in Haiti and was there until she was 10. And somewhere she had heard that, oh, you need to be a doctor and that's what you mm-hmm. have to do. And so she said that for the first couple of years that she was here. And it wasn't until this year as she's turning 14 and figuring herself out more. And she did theater in school that she, you know, wants to do the art. She's like, mom, I think my passion is the arts and I want to pursue that. And I said, oh, well, what? And I never put into her head about the doctor. She just said it. So I just casually asked, well, what about being a doctor? And she said, I don't know. I think I must've heard somewhere that that equaled success mm-hmm. and uh, money. And now I know that that that's not everything. So I don't know. It was just like a special moment of her being like, a real adult of knowing, you know, I know we're talking money here, but we're also talking kids. But sometimes it's like things that we say to our kids that we don't realize that we've heard a lot of like, when you need yeah. to grow up, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer yeah. or do this. Like, even if we don't really mean it, because we just kind of heard this is what's expected and this equals success. And really, again, just setting your goals. What is success to you? Well, it could be the arts and maybe financially you're not where someone else is, but that, that wasn't originally on your goal sheet. That's right. And I think that we all have work to do on ourselves. And if you had kids at a young age and you didn't get to that journey yet, it's never too late. You're never as young as you are today. And you can always reparent yourself so you don't pass those bad habits on. I think too, just encouraging parents, or maybe if you're not a parent yet, it's never too late for anything. You can always be growing and changing and evolving. And it's okay to unlearn stuff. And then also do the same thing with your kids. I, I've had to do that with my kids. When I first became a parent, I didn't know what the heck I was doing at all. And then I thought, oh, you know, I learned a little bit. And then we had to redirect. And now I think I'm going to redirect some stuff, even based on what you're saying and how I handle money. Do you think I should have my kids on a, a for sure, for sure monthly allowance? Or is it how I'm doing it okay? That's up to you. And I do think today is as good a day as any. And you know, I think that when you are approaching 
finances, that is going to increase your empowerment across the board for sure and tackling those hard things. And when you're thinking about allowance, you know, I think it's a personal choice. Look, you're never ready for anything. Like you said, you're never ready to have a kid, you know, whether you adopted or you brought a kid home. I have often have friends say like, wait a minute, they just let me like take this baby home. <laughs> what? <laughs> Even when I got a puppy recently, I was like, wait a minute, they just let me leave? I have so many questions. And so you're never ready for that stuff. And you're never necessarily ready to get your financial life together. But having those discussions vis-a-vis your kids is a good place to start. You know, I don't have blanket advice for what you should do in your particular household, but I would encourage you to approach it with as many real world lessons embedded as possible. So just as you're putting the Tylenol in the peanut butter sandwich, or, you know, the spinach and a bunch of candy or whatever it is, like you're including some of those important lessons, sneak attack. Okay. Yeah. So they're in just so that they feel more involved. I definitely probably should take my kids to the bank. Some of it though, is just, they're a little bit behind, like not having the type of education coming from Haiti that other kids have. So I think that's maybe where money stuff gets lost. So I'm giving myself some grace there, but yeah, before we started recording, I was telling Nicole, I was like, I just don't know if my kids have really any concept of money. And she just straight up called me out. She's like, well, that's on you. I appreciated that. It is like I need to take more of like my responsibility of a mother is to help them understand it more and maybe not just, yeah, know that they have first in Stashira's case, she has a bunch of money saved up somewhere. Great. Yeah. She's got it hidden all over her room so that nobody can find it. And then my son, poor thing, just spends it on everybody. (laughs) So, you know, I got two different kinds of things that I'm juggling. So Nicole, do you journal? I try. And with my last book, I came out with a journal that I felt was a good balance of all the journals I had because it helped me prioritize my day. Like in my last book tour, for instance, I wasn't dating at the time and I was focusing on different work things. And so I didn't shame myself for thinking I'm going to, you know, die alone and my eggs are rotting and all of these other things, all these mean girl things that I would tell myself, because as you know, the biggest enemy is between your ears because I wasn't focusing on that. And so that I found was missing in some of the other gratitude journals that I have, but it truly, truly, I'm so grateful that you focus on this because I think it's a game changer. I can definitely feel the difference when I do it. And when I don't, every day. And I try to find not just people or like my dog, but moments. So I can train myself to start looking for those moments throughout the day. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of just more gratitude, more goodness. Well, we do try to encourage gratitude and something we do since this is the four things podcast is we do four things that we're thankful for. And I would love to hear what you're thankful for today. Four things could be big, small, whatever, but just a way for people to get to know you like on a different level. I am thankful for my amazing producer, Morgan, checking in on me this morning. She sent me just a lovely text message that was just so kind. I am thankful for another producer, Mike, and his hilarious stories that give me an ab workout when I don't do other kinds. I am grateful for the coffee maker that put my fourth cup of coffee of the day into mugs that I created 
with Netflix and chill, which is one of my phrases on there. But it says index fund. Oh and my chill. gosh. I always <laughs> say that it's index funds and chill. Yes, obviously, because yeah. we you can Netflix and chill. You can even buy Netflix if you want. But index funds and chill is uh, has been my line throughout the pandemic when people ask me what to do in the stock market. Like, should I buy Zoom? Should I buy Peloton? I'm like, no, index funds and chill, which we can talk about another time if you want. And I'm thankful for you and for you opening up and telling me about your kids and asking me these beautiful questions uh, that hopefully can help other women uh, not make the same mistakes I did. Yeah. Well, I got to ask how you take your coffee. I'm always curious what, what you have in your mug. So, and I was going to tell you, this was another thing I was grateful for, but I wanted to include you, of course, um, is my homemade almond milk, which sounds like I have way more time on my hands than I actually do. But it's something that I tried to make a priority of because I love homemade almond milk and it's actually very easy to do it. You get a bunch of almonds, soak them, blend them with like dates and cinnamon, a little bit of salt, a vanilla bean, and then strain it. And it's almost like you're milking this almond cow and it's delicious and it lasts a week. And it's just like this extra little luxury for me that makes me remember that I took time to do that for myself. So Nespresso and homemade almond milk. (laughs) I'm almond milk girl too, but I definitely just get Califia Farms. And do you froth it? I used to froth it uh, in the Nespresso frother Mm -hmm. thingy. Um, Lately, I've just been taking it straight up. And I've also uh, recently added coconut collagen creamer. Oh, yum. So uh, Nicole, just quickly tell people where they can find you and find all of your books and everything in one easy spot. Like if you've got website, Instagram, what's your preference? Yeah, well, Money Rehab is a daily show on iHeart where we help rehab your money. So listen in or ask a question Mm -hmm. and you can find me on on social media at Nicole Lappin, wherever social media is served or NicoleLappin.com for books and stuff or wherever books are sold. Yeah. And Lappin is L-A-P-I-N in case people are wondering. But yeah, if y'all are on Instagram, go find Nicole or hit up her website. And then yes, Money Rehab on iHeart. I'm going to be listening to that. If you would like to come back on and talk about the index funds and chill (laughs) one day, that could be fun. We could just do like one little thing on it and it might be helpful because I'm sure after listening to this, people are going to be like, wait, I need to know more. That's what we call a tease in podcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Nicole, for taking the time. Thanks, Amy. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. 
Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 